uh, it's a blessing, of course, to be here. Um, this is a part of um, something that I've done over the years uh, entitled The Steps to Discipleship. Um, understanding that there are progressive steps toward becoming the person that God wants you to become so that he can use you as fully as he can possibly use you uh, is, is so, so important um, that you recognize God wants to use you, to, to actually say it on the inside, Lord, you want to use me. And uh, Christ, word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing, um, uh, if you've, you have that book, uh, does anyone have their book? Christ's word, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, because um, uh, this book, oh, wow, when did I write this? Um, it's been so many years ago, and you can see that uh, I wasn't old enough to have a beard and a mustache. <laughs> and, uh, actually, I was, but, <laughs> but um, there's a confession attached to each one, um, and I, I learned about the Christ word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing, the, these five levels towards spiritual maturity from navigators. If you're not familiar with navigators, you need to be because they are a discipleship organization. Um, I've memorized scripture from navigators. Uh, I memorized the wheel illustration. I saw it from navigators. Um, the illustration, I think it's in that book where there's a, uh, a round figure, a wheel with four spokes. Christ is in, in the center. Then the bottom spoke is the word. The top vertical spoke is prayer. Um, uh, then the right uh, is this, it's left to me, so it's right to you. The right horizontal spoke uh, is fellowship, and the left is witnessing. So Christ, word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing are part of who we are to be if we're going to be strong, mature believers. And uh, I don't remember at what age I was when I recognized that if five levels towards spiritual maturity are important, that there must be a confession attached to each one. And um, you'll have to get the book. I'm not going to go through uh, if I keep rambling on like this, I, I won't get through this outline, but you have the outline in front of you and um, thank, um, praise God for your pastor. I just want to say that the call to discipleship is the spiritual urging of the Holy Spirit and of the word. Um, Jesus came not just to win the loss, but to make disciples of men and women. Uh, the great commission uh, makes that clear. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So the call of Christ to his disciples was for them to make disciples. He spent three and a half years with them, discipling them. And when it was all said and done, some of them doubted. Um, but, but they came around, especially um, those that were closest to him. 
So the steps to discipleship, you've got to recognize the importance of the Holy Spirit and the importance of the word of God um, so that you come to a place where you see, I am not just saved, but I'm called of God to do a work for him. And uh, let's look at, that's the introduction. Look, look at your outline. You'll see Christ's word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing in, in uh, bold letters. Uh, under Christ, who do I need to be? Uh, that's the question that you're asking. Who do I need to be? If I'm going to be used of God to touch the world in which I live, uh, who do you need to be? Well, first, of course, you need to be saved. I'm not going to quote all the scriptures, but Romans 10 and 9, um, we're, we're told, um, well, I don't remember Romans 10 and 9. I, I know it by heart, but, but Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Um, and, and it's important for you to recognize being saved is a part of what Jesus came to bring us. He came to save his people, deliver them from their sins. And um, um so Romans 10 and 9 says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Amen. Uh, so being saved is foundational. Then, of course, walking as a surrendered believer. It's amazing how many people claim to be saved that are not surrendered and are not determined to walk a disciplined life. Uh, which is a part of surrendering your life to the Lordship of Christ. And uh, Romans 10, Romans 12 uh, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So that seeing yourself as someone who surrendered, you are you see yourself as a living sacrifice. You're holy, you're acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And then we're told to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll prove that the will of God is altogether good, acceptable, and perfect. So surrender. Now, there are, there are a myriad of scriptures that I could list here for surrender, but I, uh, this is a brief uh, a presentation. And I trust that uh, as you... Uh, Think about what it really means to be surrendered. You put those scriptures in there in your outline. And then sanctified or filled. A lot of folk um, in Pentecostal circles, when they testify, and I've been in so many of those meetings in my upbringing where um, they testify, and I thank and praise God that I'm saved. I thank and praise God that I'm sanctified. I thank and praise God that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And then at that point, uh, they usually will quicken and say, with a mighty burning fire. <laughs> filled with the Holy Ghost <coughs> and with a mighty burning fire. Um, I, my sense is that somebody testified like that and quickened. And everybody after that said, I want to quicken like that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
So, so really being set apart, recognizing that, uh, that Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Uh, he, you, you're not really prepared to be used of God fully. Uh, you can be, you can just be saved and live a clean Christian life and people can win, uh, uh, be one to the Lord by the purity and honesty and committedness of your life. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is important. Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power. And the word for power is the, is the Greek word dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamite. So we're talking about explosive power when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Um, does everyone have an outline? You don't have an outline. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. All right, everybody's got an outline. I right, say so number two, uh, word, Christ, word. What do I need to know? I'm glad you asked that question because uh, if you're going to make full proof of whatever ministry God has for you, there are some things that you're going to need to know. And that, uh, the truth of salvation assurance. Uh, there are a lot of believers that are saved, but they don't have salvation assurance. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Romans uh, chapter 8. Uh, I actually took the time to memorize that chapter. Um, uh, chapter 8 uh, begins... Uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So, so that first verse says that if you are someone who is born again, you're walking not after the ways of the world. You're not walking after the flesh, but you're walking after the spirit. You're trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he says there's no condemnation in you. So if you're not condemned, then you have a confidence in your assurance. And you look up the other passages. Then B, the necessity of faith slash believing. The reason I've said faith slash believing is because the two words, though different in the English, are identical words in the Greek language of the New Testament. The word for faith is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And the Greek word for believe is pistuo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O, if you're taking notes. Um, pistis is a noun, pistuo is a verb. So faith is a noun. And to believe is a verb. Uh, verbs almost always denote action. Believing denotes the action of your mind. Where you have taken in something and you hold it to be true. Um, in Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 8 through 17, and I've not memorized all of these verses, but Romans chapter 10, verse 8, asks the question, but what does it say? And it's referring back to the 
to the uh, Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Um, uh, chapter 10, verse 8, I've got 8. Chapter 10, verse 8 says, um, and you look at verse 8, it says, but what does it say? Of course, he's referring back to the Old Testament. And he says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Can you say the phrase, the word of faith? See, the word of faith is the word of your believing, um, because if you believe something, you say what you believe. And uh, it's important for you to recognize the power of a confession. It's important to recognize that. Uh, so because the apostle Paul recognizes the power of a confession, he says, therefore, uh, he calls it the word of faith we are proclaiming. That's that's in the book of of uh, Deuteronomy. But then then he says um, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So so confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. See, both words are used. Um uh, faith is, uh, you know, we talk about the word of faith and that word of faith, faith that's a noun. The word of faith is a noun phrase. Um, uh, the word of faith is, is act, it's actualized by you opening your mouth to say what you believe. So you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life. You believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead. So those two activities going together strengthens your faith. And the more you confess, the stronger your faith will become. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I want you to notice, if you got a Bible, uh, I want you to notice that um, we, the words, um, um, the word of faith, uh, okay, uh, notice, look, look, at if you've got your Bible, he says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. Amen. Amen. So, so it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. All right. Every time I say mouth, I want you to raise your right hand. And every time I say heart, I want you to raise your left hand. Okay. Just raise it and then put it down. All right. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Then he says, that is the word of faith we are proclaiming. And if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Then notice verse 10, for it is with the heart. Did you see the, see the difference? It is. So he says, mouth, heart, mouth, heart. But then in the 10th verse, he says, for it is with the heart that you believe and, and are justified. And with the mouth, confession is made and you're saved. So, so in essence, I mean, I, one of my favorite writers is Derek Prince. And Derek Prince says that what the Apostle Paul here is he's actually giving us the process that what you say with your mouth 
you believe in your heart. But sometimes it takes a while for what you say to get down to your heart, down to your spirit, man. So I say with my mouth and I believe in my heart. Then just because the miracle hasn't taken place yet, I, I need to continue to say with my mouth and believe in my heart. But when the miracle takes place, then I can say, oh, well, with my heart, I believe. And with my mouth, confession is me. One of the most powerful illustrations, to give it to you quickly, uh, Lillian B. Yeomans was ministering to a woman who was dying, literally, of tuberculosis. Her family had brought her from the sanitarium because the doctors in the sanatorium uh, told her that, uh, told the family, uh, the children of this older woman, that uh, they could do no, no more for her, that she was dying. She couldn't speak above a whisper. She was gasping for breath. So they signed her out of the sanatorium, put her in the home of Sister Yeomans, who was not only a medical doctor, but she was uh, a woman of faith. And so she found in the Old Testament, um, uh, and I'm trying to think of the exact passage. Uh, I think it was Deuteronomy chapter 20. Oh, boy, I should write this, these things down. Uh, yeah, it's early in the morning and my computer doesn't work as good in my brain early in the morning. You'll have to forgive me. But she found the place where there is listed all of, um, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, are listed all of the things. This is taking longer than I expected. All of the things that you are to do. If you'll be blessed in the country, you'll be blessed in the field. Uh, is, yeah, Deuteronomy 28. Yes, yes, Deuteronomy 28. You're absolute. <laughs> and then, then after verse 15, he says, if you don't, Follow the voice of the Lord your God and you don't keep his commandments, etc. These curses will come upon you. And then so she found the place where this woman's sickness. Is listed as a part of the curse of disobeying the law of God. She just read that one verse to her, showing her that your sickness is a part of the curse. Then she took her over to Galatians 3.13, which says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone that hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham may come on the Gentiles through faith. And so after she read those two passages of scripture. She laid hands on her and prayed. She fed her three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And every time she fed her, she read to her to these two passages of scripture laid hands on her and prayed three times first day, three times the second day, three times the third day. At the end of the third day, after she had put the sister, she was in bed. She didn't have to put her in bed, but told her, I'll see you in the morning. She went back to her room and got in bed. And in the middle of the night, she heard a scream. Now, the only ones in the house were the two of them. <laughs> so, and this woman couldn't speak above a whisper. But she grabbed the lantern and went out into the hallway. And at the end of the hallway was this woman standing there, skin and bone, holding a Bible in her hand. 
My God, Sister Yeomans, look at here. This Bible says that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Have you ever read that before? She said, I've been reading it to you three times a day. <laughs> but you see, mouth word, mouth word. Finally, when it got into her heart, it healed her. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, this, this matter of the necessity of faith, uh, it's important for you to recognize the importance of repentance. Uh, Paul said, I, I delivered to the Gentiles two things that Christ, that they could, they could repent and that they could believe. That's found in Acts chapter 20, verse 21. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus. And then uh, this matter of study, uh, so desperately important, there's no way that you're going to get where you need to go apart from study. Verse 13 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy says, Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given on given to you uh, through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent, verse 15, in these matters. Give yourself completely or wholly completely to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself yes, sir. and your hearers. Yes, sir. So, so uh, this matter of you being someone that God will use is so important. Amen? Amen. And then recognize that you're called to serve. Um, Matthew chapter 20, I've just given you one, tap, one passage um, uh, where Jesus says in verses 26 and 7, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever is great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever is chief among you, let him be your servant. So the word minister actually means to serve. I'm amazed that so many ministers see themselves as ones who are called to be served. But you're called to serve. Amen. And Jesus, Jesus said he, he compared what he was discipling them to be with what the world sees. He said, they, you know, they're leaders that stand and they're, you know, with their chest stuck out. The text doesn't say that, but you, you've seen people like that um, where that they, they're expecting people to bow and to scrape to them. But Jesus said, it will not be so among you. Amen. So we're called to serve. Then prayer. Why is prayer so important? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, prayer is important because of the benefit of access. The benefit of access. In Romans chapter 5 um, uh, we are told we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Um, uh, and rejoice. Well, it, it be, therefore, since we are justified, therefore, 
therefore, since being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Uh, so, so that I have access by faith because of my walking with him. And that's a prayer for walking with him. I'm justified by faith. I have peace with God. I have access by grace into this, this faith in which we now stand. Uh, I've, I've heard different ones over the years say, I know I've, I've got faith, but my faith is not working. Well, your faith may not work if you don't recognize that you have access. See, prayer gives you access. James says you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask with wrong motives. You're asking for the wrong reason. But, uh, you know, if you if I was uh, to read on with Romans chapter five, he says, but not only so, he said he gives a he takes steps, and I'm going to illustrate the steps that he's taking. He says, he said, but all, we also glory in our sufferings. One translation says tribulations. Because our sufferings, tribulation, produces perseverance. Yes. Amen? Yes. See, some folks say, ah, listen, I just give up. No, suffering shouldn't produce giving up. <laughs> you know, there's there's no quitting in this. The Lord saved you, forgave you all your sins. He's promised to bless you with eternal salvation. When you die, you're gonna you're gonna close your eyes on this side and open your eyes on the other side, and the Lord's gonna say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." That is, if you have followed through on all of this. He'll say, well done. And if you didn't, he'll probably look at you and say, get on in here. <laughs> and go into the room that with a sign over the top that says, what could have been if you had only lived up to what I saved you to live up to. But we glory, uh, all right, suffering or tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces Character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's given. So you want to go all the way to where, where what you're going through produces a love that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's given. And remember that love is multifold love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amen. Amen. So there are eight points of love. In addition to love, you've got love that produces joy, love that produces patience, kindness, goodness, faith. Amen? Amen. All right. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Uh. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I got 12 more minutes. Help us. 
Help us. Help us. All right. The need to experience, the needed experience of answered prayer. In Mark chapter 11, you remember, if you got your Bible, look at Mark chapter 11 uh, quickly. Don't start with Genesis. Matthew, Mark, New Testament. You know, I, I, I've been in such a session, really, where I say, Mark, Mark chapter 11, person like this. So we don't want to go back that far. <laughs> Mark chapter 11. Look, in the morning, verse 20, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from its roots. Now, remember the, week, the day before, Jesus cursed the fig tree because it didn't have any fruit on it. And, um, and uh, uh, Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you curse has withered. And Jesus then takes the lesson. Have faith in God. Actually, uh, I'm so glad I studied the Greek because the Greek literally says have God's faith. Because the word um, uh, uh, for theos is in the genitive case. Have God's faith. I tell you that if anyone will say to this mountain, go and, and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he said will happen, it will be done for him. Amen? Amen. You have what you say. And I haven't quoted the whole, I haven't read all of it, but you, you get the picture. It's important for you to have experiences where the very thing that you prayed actually happened just as you prayed. I prayed for my cousin. I am praying for him to be saved for the longest time. Then I decided, well, Lord, he's a smoker. He's a drinker. He's separated from his wife. He's, I mean, he's divorced. And, you know, Lord, he, he's older than me by a year or so. So I prayed, Lord, next time he lights up a cigarette, make him so sick that he'll have to go to the hospital. And I prayed that. I was living in Boston. He's living in Philadelphia. The next time I was in Philadelphia preaching at my home church, uh, his sister, my cousin's sister, who's also my cousin, was in that service. And after the service was over, she came up to me and said, cuz, Jerry stopped smoking. And she didn't know how I prayed. And I said, praise God. She said, yeah. Now, this part of her testimony built up my faith because she said, yep, lit up a cigarette, got so sick he had to go to the emergency room. See, the Lord not only answered my prayer, but he answered it just like, just like I prayed. See, you need those kinds of experiences. After that, he threw away his cigarettes, stopped smoking. And before he died, he gave his life to the Lord. He married his girlfriend and he preached his trial sermon. <laughs> uh, he needed a heart transplant. Didn't get it. He's on the other side. Uh, when they make an announcement, coming in is a warrior by the name of Gideon. And he was saying, yeah, yeah, that's my cousin. I'm saved because he travailed in prayer over my, over my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The authority 
of uh, C, the authority of the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the word. Uh, you certainly need that. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's Romans 8.14. Read those other passages. They'll bless you too. I'm running out of time. Then number four, fellowship. Why do I need to connect with other people? I, I could have put that in there. You can add it. Why do I need to connect with other people? All right. The need for body ministry. And if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll see uh, and, and, and all of and, and though that powerful passage where the Apostle Paul says that you don't have everything. Uh, 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 if the whole body were the ear, uh, I'm in verse 17, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, God, God's not going to give you all the gifts. He's going to give some to you and some to others. If we are to experience the ministry that the body has, you're going to have to connect with other believers of like precious faith. Then, then the need for agreement. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 19, if two of you in the earth will agree as touching anything you ask, it'll be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, you, you see the truth that two is better than one. And then he goes through a bunch of things where he says that uh, if, if one falls down by himself, he's, he, he's got to pick himself up. But if there are two of them, a, a brother can help him up. Amen. Uh, two can fight better than one. They can get back to back and fight better than just one. Amen. A three strand cord is not easily broken. So important. The need for agreement. And then see the need for being under authority. And I've given you the, the illustration that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter eight, where he talked about healing the centurion's servant. And um, the servant came to Jesus and said, I got a servant that is at home, grievously tormented and in, and in tremendous suffering. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, no, 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 sir. You don't need to come. Just speak the word. Then he said words of wisdom. He said, because I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. In that statement, he said, not only am I under authority, in other words, there are people who are over me who order my life, but I've got soldiers under me. I'm over them and I order their life. So if you're going to be someone that has authority, you need to see yourself as someone under authority. <laughs> Amen. And you, you can read all of that. I've given you all of the verses. Uh, Roman number five, witnessing. What is your goal? Well, I've answered it. 
Your goal, our goal, is to win the world, and the world is lost. Notice A, the theology of salvation. The world is lost. I know that there are some people who believe that Jesus is going to save everybody. Whether they're Christian, whether they're Muslim, whether they are Hindu, whether they are sinners, whether they are whoever they are. White or black, red or yellow. Hey, he going to save everybody. Yeah, that's Carlton Pearson. He doesn't believe there's anything, any such thing as the world is lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, but Salvation is a two-way street. Jesus did his part, but you, you we have to do ours. And um, if, if you look at these passages, uh, and I've given you, uh, uh, given you um, passages, and boy, I'll have to, I have to read these. Uh, okay, I got three minutes. Uh, amen. Look at, look at chapter 25 of Matthew. Um, notice uh, from verse 31, when a son of man comes in his glory uh, and all the angels with him and he sits on his throne in heaven, in heavenly glory, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a sheep separates the sheep as a shepherd, I'm sorry, separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Uh, all right, so everybody's not going to be saved. Some folks are sheep and some folks are goats. Some folks are saved. Some folks are sinners. Now, all of us, all of us were sinners, but you're walking in righteousness because the Lord's forgiving you. And those that are forgiven are trusting the shed blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. And so you put yourself under the blood of Jesus by grace through faith. But there are multiplied millions who've never done that. And and if you read all of what, I didn't read it all, but if you read all of it, you'll see that those who were the sheep, they entered into the Lord's glory and those that were goats departed from him. And the truth of Jesus as our savior, I mean, right back at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, you'll see in verse 21 of chapter one, uh, verse 21, it says, she will give birth to a son and he will and and you are to give him. This is this is Joseph. Mary's husband has a dream and you will give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. For unto you is born this day. This is what the angel said. For unto you is born this day. The Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Thank God for the Savior. Amen. Then be under 
Roman numeral five, the saving power of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul summarizes the gospel in those four verses. He says, moreover, I delivered unto you the gospel which you have received in which you now stand, to the which also you'll be saved if you hold on to that which I've preached to you, lest you have believed in vain. <laughs> now, there are some folk who believe in eternal security, once saved, always saved. But here the apostle Paul says, moreover, I delivered unto you the gospel in which you now stand. To the which also you will be saved. Future. You will be saved. If you hold on to that which I preached unto you. Lest you have believed in vain. You know it's so sad. There are a whole lot of folk that put their hand to the plow and turn back. Uh, this, this idea of once saved always saved is not, is not biblical. And there are those persons that believe that to their own destruction. I ride a motorcycle. Some of you may know that. And, uh, and I've gone to motorcycle rallies. Uh, the one that I've gone to uh, most often is the one in upstate New York. Um, it's called AmeriCade. If you ride a motorcycle and you're online, you'll see AmeriCade advertised. Uh, and thousands of people from different parts of the country ride their motorcycles to America. And they've got a tents where you can get your, your motorcycle accessorized. <laughs> if, you, if you ever get a chance to see my motorcycle, my motorcycle is accessorized. Now, I ride to this motorcycle rally with some brothers that are out of the church. Not uh, one of them out of my church and other brothers that uh, were out of other churches. And we rode together. A three and a half, four hour drive. Upstate New York. You know, you stay in one room. I mean, the room was as big as this room. And different cots. You know, everybody had their own bunk. We didn't have to sleep together, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and, and then when we got up, you know, you know, the bathroom was there. You know, some folks shaved, you know. And we got ourselves ready. And we drove our bikes to a restaurant where we could have breakfast. And at this place of Having breakfast, I'm done, really. Saving power of the gospel. This is my conclusion. When we drove there, I don't know if you've ever been, ever been in a restaurant where you can get your eggs made the way you want them. I mean, you know, you can have all the different ingredients put in cheese or whatever. Uh, tomatoes and, you know. Uh, so I'm standing in line with other brothers and the guy behind the counter that's that's fixing the eggs according to 
whatever the person who's there is asking for. He is as profane a person as you'd ever want to meet. I mean, he's joking about sex with his girlfriend and he's talking about, I mean, just you, if you can just let your mind grow, he, uh, go, he's pornographic, he's, he's using foul language. I mean, come on. And I'm just in line. So I said to the person, persons behind me, no, go on, go on, go on ahead of me, go on ahead. And they went on ahead of me and I got to the back of the line because I plan to witness to him. And he's a brother. Okay. And so when I got up finally there, just, just he and me, I started to talk to him about his, his soul. And to my utter amazement, he said to me, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up, dude. I got the spirit. He meant capital S, spirit. But I thought in my mind, small s, you got a spirit. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Because I'm listening to his profane language, his attitude, his actions, all of it. And as I tried to convince him, I've been baptized. No, 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 no. I, I, I've been in church. I've been baptized. You know, here's a guy who evidently had been in church, had gotten baptized, had made some kind of confession of faith, but it didn't change his life. See, the word repent literally means to change your mind. Metamorpho. Change your mind. But his mind was still as worldly as it ever was. How sad. How sad. And I got absolutely nowhere with him. But he looked like that was his job. And I thought, next year when I come back, I'm going to talk to him some more. Unfortunately, the next time I came back, he was not there. And so I asked the owner of the restaurant, where was the guy that was here last night, last year? Uh, and then he called him by name. You talking about, I'll say, you know, you talking about Roger? Excuse me if your name is Roger. I'm just making up a name. You, you talking about Roger? Yeah. Black guy? A little bit on the heavy side of, yeah, 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 him, yeah, oh, sorry to share with you, he had a massive heart attack, and just a few weeks ago, I was at his funeral, and I thought, aha, I may have been the last person that told him, hopefully, he got it straight before he went on the other side. It's so important that you see yourself as a mature believer. That God wants to use you to touch the world in which you live. Amen? Amen. Father, take these words and sanctify them in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Uh, before we close, any questions about that you may have from the outline?